Hey, Sobertown. Welcome to Sobertown Podcast. My name is Steve. Before we get started, go to SobertownPodcast.com. There's a whole bunch of learning resources to help you get sober and maintain it, like Todd's blogs, creating your own sober toolbox, and amazing sober podcasts. I want to fire off a special shout out to the I Am Sober app and the community of fantastic people there. Go ahead and download the app, find your tribe, find some inspiration, because that's where I definitely found a whole bunch of mine. Welcome to the first episode of Off the Cuff. Off the Cuff is a bunch of friends getting together and having a conversation and us just hitting record. We hit record, we have laughs, we talk about our serious sobriety stories, we talk about the funny stuff, we talk about the crazy stuff that we did. And in the end, we're just going to take all of the good stuff that we talk about, package it up, and, and, and let you guys have a listen. So what we have here is the very first episode, and we're going to call this When We Were At Our Worst. So what happened was, is when we all got together and we all started talking, we started talking about when we were at our worst. And then and, and the people in, in the room, we all ended up sharing our stories of when we were at our worst. It's a heavy one, but it's a good one, and it has a happy ending. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. When I was at my worst, when I was throwing up in the basement every morning and all of that sort of stuff, like I didn't have to really hide or try and hide the nausea and all of that because nobody would hear me down there when I was down there. Like my wife just wouldn't hear me. So that was like easy. I didn't have to try and hide it. And then when her sister was here, I try, I, I, I couldn't. Right. Like if when, when I moved upstairs, Hmm. I had to like, it was rough. It was absolutely, but it was, what's that? Used to get sick every day. Every day. Hmm. Every, every day, every day I would wake up between four 30 and five o'clock and I would be nauseous. I would drink, I would drink water so I wouldn't dry heave. Uh, I would throw it all up and then drink more water and then throw it all up again and then drag my, like have a shower. Most of the time after I got out of the shower, I had my head over top of the toilet again because I was nauseous and dizzy. And then I would muster up the energy to go upstairs. I would go upstairs, hold it all together, grab my coffee, grab, grab the lunch I would never eat walk out, say goodbye to everybody, walk out to the truck, 50-50 shot, whether I dry heaved before I got in the truck, would get in the truck, and as soon as I backed out and turned the corner, I took my first swig. Oh. And mm-hmm. then I would, I would continue that all the way to work. That was about a third of a bottle of whatever hard booze I could drink on the way. Drink my coffee while I was at work get to lunch, hop back in the truck. I had an hour, so mm-hmm. I had an hour to go and buy more somewhere and drink at the same time. Regardless of what road I was on, it didn't matter. Go back to work. Four o'clock comes, hop back in the truck, drive home. I had 35, 40 minutes. Sometimes I would take a longer way so I could drink a little bit more. Get home. There's the one bottle gone for the day. And then 
drank another half to a bottle of wine, some more beer, whatever it was. It was all snuck. It was all like that was my routine every day. And then I'd wake up the next morning, Tuesday morning, and do it all over again. Yeah, I kind of know that feeling. That was my version. That was my version of the physical hell. They never smelled it on you at work? Nobody said a word. I stayed from people. When I would mm-hmm. talk to people, I would talk to them. I, I carried a radio. Oh, okay. So I had a radio. So if I needed to talk to somebody, unless I was like in the same room or whatever it was, I mean, I drank my coffee after I got to work. So I would drink the coffee after I drank the booze. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I had like, and I, and I was a smoker. So mm-hmm. you drink and then smoke. So then you'd smell like the smoke from farther away. And you would the booze, so you didn't have to get so close. So it was like, you know, the whole fucking package. But that puking in the morning went on for like six months, maybe longer. Wow. I would I would have some days off, mm-hmm. but like I didn't have the desire. I I wasn't like do like I have to quit. It's just normal. That's what normal was. That's yeah. how life was, and that's. Yeah. That was acceptable for me. It sounds like really bad when you when you say it back to yourself later, but then like in the moment it was just like eh? I said my moral compass was completely backwards. Yeah. Right? Like what do you mean like drinking and driving that was okay? What mm-hmm. do you mean? What do you mean it wasn't okay? It was perfectly fine as long as nobody saw me. Right? right. Drinking and driving with the kids in the vehicle. Perfectly fine. Right, I would never admit that. Right, but it had to be. It had to have been perfectly fun because I did it. Right, mm-hmm. I justified it being all right. So amazing, able to justify somehow, know how. What the voice will convince you, like that? It's okay. I I realized that I I have a problem with like things that I can kind of control. Like if you're, if you're going to say like drink and drive, you have some control there because it's like, Oh, well, like I won't drink so much or I'll really pay attention or I'll really, you know, like there's like some element of like you have control, even though you're, I don't know if I'm making sense. Like what's another example? Like, or like like when people like text and drive. It's like, oh, like you have some control over like how dangerous you're being because you how often you look up at the road or how where you put the phone or something like that. Like where there's like I don't know. I took lots of country roads. So all I did was look for intersections. Yeah. As long as I wasn't near an intersection or an oncoming vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was perfectly acceptable. Out, out there, like, it's like, it feels like there's kind of no rules. And also people just like kind of act like there's no rules. Like it's like where I went to high school, like it was like normal, not normal, but like people would drink and drive like for fun. Like you'd go like back roading and people like it was like a an activity. Mm-hmm. And like yep. technically it's not like, like we were literally in the middle of nowhere. So like. 
most the, the most likely thing that's going to happen is you're going to not see a turn a curve in the road and you're going to go off and into a ditch that's what I did did you that's exactly what I did that's that that was like my rock bottom moment my daughter came home I was already yes. probably half a bottle in or halfway into a bottle of whiskey she came home and was just being a bitchy teenager because they do mm. and I instantly reacted half you know wait completely wasted got in my car took the bottle with me and went for like this angry rage drive on dirt roads because I'm not the only person who's done that around here I mean it happens all the time okay. Um, and I was just angry and I was driving really fast. And I knew I was going too fast. I knew I was going to wreck my car before I did. Um, but yeah, just failed to navigate a turn and hit a ditch and then hit a fence post and then totaled my brand new forerunner. Oh, no. That was July. So. Wow. Yeah. Man. It was bad. It was, that was like the worst thing that happened to me. And I wasn't one to drive drunk very often. But yeah. But I was, I was, I was completely blacked out. My husband came and picked me up and it was like the most horrible thing, but um, I only remember bits of it. I still have a splinter in my finger that won't come out. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like waiting for it. It's there and it's, it'll be the last splinter and then I can at least move past that part. Yeah. Mm. That was rough. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't drive. There's only been like a handful of times I was were actually like really drunk and like shouldn't have been driving but like I remember one time I was like on I was like backroading and I was yeah I don't know if I, I think it might have been a time when I was by myself and a time that I was with friends but like it's so dark out there and like the turns in the road just like come up so fast that like you can be going 40 35 and still like almost run yourself off the um, road mm-hmm. We did a couple of horse shows in the summer before I wrecked my car. And I discovered that like horse show moms, we've talked about this, Carly, horse show moms are kind of bitchy. It's just, yeah. they're not fun to be around. Yeah. And all of the stress of all of it and like the perfect that everything has to be. And yeah. at some point I realized that like Mike's hard lemonade just took the edge off of that. Um, yeah. And so I got the really big cans and I took them with me to the horse show. And I would just kind of like go back over to the, the truck and like sip a little bit here and there. And there was one where I realized that I'd had like four or five of them. And it was over the course of like a day, kind of, but that was definitely not okay. And then I like, I walked over to the truck and started getting like the horses loaded. And I was like, fuck, I should not drive home. And I totally did because what else was I going to do? So I hauled two horses plus my kid on the interstate an hour and a half home. Because, I mean, what was I going to do? Call somebody and be like, I ended up getting drunk at the horse show and I need you to come get me. Like, that shit's not going to happen. Right. So it was bad. Um, I think that was like one of the worst times where I didn't even realize how fucked up I was until I started like loading up and I had to get behind the wheel and then it was like shit. Yeah. And it was, yeah, that was scary. I probably, I I, th- I probably lied. I'm thinking, I hate like admitting that like I did that because it's like I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with endangering myself but if I feel like I've endangered other people I feel like that makes me like but like we all have done things that have endangered other people to some extent like anyway but yeah there I think one of the worst times I was in college and it was it was um it was at it was after it was oh yeah it was after midnight and they store stopped selling alcohol after midnight and so we 
we went and we asked, we actually asked one of the security guards at the campus because he was also a student. He was one of our friends and, and keep in mind, we're not allowed to drink on campus. And we were like, Hey, can we like go to your house and like raid your liquor cabinet? Because we want to keep drinking and we like, can't because nothing is open. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. And so we like drove to his house got in got more like something and I was driving and then it was just me and my other friend and then I remember like we were driving oh I pulled into a parking lot no I don't even think I made it to his house I think it was before this anyway I pulled into a parking lot because I made a wrong turn and then my friend was like okay now go you gotta go this way and I went out but I turned the wrong way on the road like I was supposed to turn right but anyway so I was going the wrong way and then my friend was like Carly you're drunk and I was like no I'm not like I'm fine like and I got like all like sassy and then she was like pull and she's not very like confrontational but she was like pull over like you just and I just like turned the car (laughs) I turned my truck around but I just like ran over the median like my own purpose because I was like well I'm in a, in a truck so I can do this and I just like turned back around and I was like like woke up the next day and I was like holy shit uh, I was really drunk I should not have been driving but I thought I was like okay I really genuinely thought that I was fine I think a lot of it is you just get so used to feeling that way if you drink enough that you just feel normal right but then yeah. at some point it hits you and you're like no that was realize later how fucked up you were right oh you thought you were okay i mean you can drive drunk you know yeah i really did like i probably i was it it didn't it 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 got to the point where it didn't even phase me anymore like it just didn't i was like yeah i got a good buzz on i am drive it's easy yeah i think the worst for me was like when i was like i don't know i probably drove drunk and stoned since I've been 16 years old. So it's like 22 years of driving under the influence all the time. But like when I got my DUI or whatever and had driving privileges only to go to work, you know, and I you know, was drinking heavy, you know, and you go to sleep and then wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you got to drink more just to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you wake up drunk mm-hmm. and you're still drunk. And then, you know, you load up some to take, you know, I put some in a container to take with me to work, you know, put it in the trunk, you know, and drive to work drunk. You know, I'm still drunk driving to work with no license. You know, I just have driving. It's just like, geez, dude. I mean, you know, get the memo, you know. How we don't catch on. We don't get the memo. So many, yeah, I mean, so many nights like waking up in my bed. And then the last thing I remember was being at the bar and then like that moment, like getting out of bed and making sure that the car is in the driveway, you know, like, yeah. you, know, you know, like you don't remember anything or, you know. I used to get really sick off like red wine. <laughs> like it was like, I never really drank liquor that much just cause it, I don't know. I would get super sick, I guess, but, um, there was a time where, uh, that's, yeah, there was a time where I decided tequila was a good thing to drink. 
because it didn't turn into sugar or something. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a healthy idea. And so I would drink tequila just like casually. And then, but I would, my, my routine, like you're kind of like you're saying Steve, when I was, it was like the worst. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how long this period lasted. Like, I think it was maybe like four months or I don't know. Cause it's just blurry, but. So is mine. Like, it's hard for me to determine. Like I, if I go back in my memory, like I'm guessing that it's six months. It could be longer. It could be shorter. I think right. it was longer in that range, but yeah. it's all blurry. Like it happens so many times and for so long yeah. that I can't say, you know, if this was when it happened, I think it ha- it started happening at one point and just progressively mm-hmm. became like, it was one day throughout the week and then it was like two days and then like it just everything just went it was just a not even days anymore it was just like time off yeah yeah i would i would drink like probably like a bottle of wine and then two more of those like little sutter home mm-hmm. they're like individual glasses i would drink like a bottle and then like one or two of those and then wake up the next morning I didn't have to wake up for work until like 10 because I didn't have to be there till like 10 30 11 at the time and I would wake up like the last minute just like get dressed really quick like get ready sort of and then drive to work but I would stop at the gas station and I would get coffee I would get like a coconut water or like a green juice or something and I would get a snack that was like had carbs in it it's like a survival routine. If it was really bad, I would get white little white bottles of white wine and an orange juice and I would mix it and I would drink my orange juice. My boss wouldn't show up to work until like two, three sometimes. So I could just sit there in the morning and like recover basically like alone in my office. But I would every morning, I think for a few months at least, I would like get sick multiple times and then like basically just like try and survive to lunch because I would be so hungry, like just like dying of hunger. And I would call the same Mexican place and go like pick up food. And then sometimes I would, sometimes I'd drink in my lunch break. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, like I, I'm just, I can't do this. And then when I would go home, I'd get off like seven and then stop by the same gas station, pick up little Sutter Home wine bottles and open one and drink it on my drive home and then have a good buzz by the time I got home and then just like keep going and then wake up and do it all again <laughs> and yeah I literally got just used to feeling like absolute shit all the time <laughs> like yeah that was, was normal just, right yeah mm-hmm. I was just and I was like on survival mode I was like I would make excuses to myself because I was I mean I was like kind of getting hit with like one thing after another and like I wasn't like happy but like still like it was also just like full-blown alcoholism just like taking over too like it wasn't just normal like yeah you're going through a hard time it's like you're going through a hard time but you're also like spiraling into addiction and like don't even care (laughs) every day turned into a hard time right you drank you 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 drank the hard time into your day yes Mm -hmm. right you woke Mm -hmm. up it was already hard yeah. right it already fucking sucked 
So what did you do? You drank because it sucked, right? Yeah. And that made it feel better. So then you uh-huh. drank again. And that was like the only, that was the only, like, I remember being at work and like one of those days I made like a little mimosa in my <laughs> orange juice. Like, I remember I drank enough and thinking I got a buzz again and I was like, oh my gosh, my hangover's gone. Like, I feel okay now. Like, this is what I'm going to do for like ever. Mm-hmm. And like looking back, I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, that's not a sustainable way to live life at all. And it, and it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. And like, finally, I realized that Bill was like, I, I was just like convinced. I was like, this is just like how I'm going to live life now until something changes. But it's like, so life is so much easier now. Right. It's funny how you know it's like if we were like, if I was hungover or if I was drunk or, you know, buzzed, whatever. Everything that happened felt so much bigger and so much worse. The littlest thing would turn into something huge and it would just give me another reason to drink more. Um, And there were so many days, like little things, like the cows got out. This is not a big deal. It's not a big production. But that was enough to set me up and be like, fuck it, I'm going to drink at 10 o'clock in the morning because the cows got out. That's a good excuse for it. And it just, I mean, it was like that whole time. I was either hungover or I was drunk. That and the whole stay-at-home mom thing is hard because there's no routine. There's no going to work. There's no coming home from work. You're just home. And it's just all day. And I mean, there are weeks sometimes that we don't really leave the house if we don't, you know, and if I didn't need to leave the house, I wasn't gonna. Um, But it's just days run into days, run into days. And it's just, you know, it starts out, you're drinking at five o'clock just because that's mommy wine time. And then it turns into, I think I'll have a glass with lunch. And then it turns into, I'm so hungover that I think I'll have a glass in the morning just to make myself feel better and it doesn't take long before you're buying like a box of wine so you don't actually have to see how much you're drinking yes and just sip on it all day long and that happened fast really fast I I like really think like that like if I don't know like that would have been me like if I if my life would have gone how I thought it would go at this point if I would have gotten married in college and like I mean I don't know kids are hard to think about but like if I would have gotten married in college and had kids and then like like that would have been how I would I can just if I if I was in a situation where I was a stay-at-home mom Mm -hmm. and I like that would have been my life like I could just see it happening because if I didn't have that routine I would just feel like lost and then I would be like alone and then like yeah easy to fall into and there's nobody for me, especially, my husband works out of town for two weeks at a time. There was nobody to tell me not to. There was nobody to catch me. Neither one of my kids really had any idea what was going on. You know, I mean, what they knew of me was normal. And for the most part, I was functional. I was fun. A lot of, most of the time, I drank just enough to be fun and whatever, you know, and not feel anything. And if it was going to get worse than that, I'd wait till they were in bed and then I'd just get completely wasted. Um, so they had no idea. There was nobody to stop me. There was nobody to say, hey, you're taking it too far. Um, and I got, I like, I wished so many times that my husband would just be like, you need to stop. Like he knew at least to some extent, but he never did. And I didn't, wasn't going to tell myself to stop. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to hold myself accountable. So I just kept going for a really long time. It's funny how you, you like wait for, you're, you're begging for that moment to just like make it end. Mm-hmm. right 
Yeah. Like somebody just say something to me, like pull me out of this. And, and, and then I don't know if like, maybe you probably would have, cause there was, I don't know. There was a whole bunch of times where like, I was just a puddle on the floor, just like my, my mouth is open and I'm, and I, and I want to say it so bad, but I'm so scared to actually just like say it and, be a disappointment and here i am on the floor already a disappointment like it's already there it's already happening right like and but it's it's like your life is going to get ruined if if it if you get found out yeah that's totally that's the last thought that i remember going through my head when i was driving that night was i i knew i was going to wreck i kind of i think i wanted to honestly um but i was like maybe this will be enough for him to finally say something um and he still didn't I still had to figure it out on my own, but I just desperately wanted somebody to tell me you have to stop. Cause you knew like, it's like, you, you know, you can't like, you don't feel like you can stop yourself. I yeah. I don't know if I couldn't like thought I couldn't do it or I just needed somebody else to need to want me to, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I didn't care enough about myself. I'm not sure why that was important to me, but it was. I'm nearly 40 and I'm still, you know, getting there. But I think with my husband, like, I just wanted him to say something because I didn't want to have to be the one to say I have a problem. I didn't want to be that person. I needed somebody else to say it. Like I I needed somebody to acknowledge it. I wanted to acknowledge it. Um, I just didn't want to have to say it because it's really hard to say and it's really hard to admit. And now it's out and it's so much better, so much better now that it's just out there and we can acknowledge it. And I don't know. It's just, it was really hard to say. That's the hardest thing, right? That's like, that's mustering up that courage to actually say, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. I need help. I have a problem. Mm-hmm. I still won't say the word alcoholic. Can't do it. I'm not in reference to myself. I think it's individual to everyone. I mean, you know, you got to use the terminology that resonates with you. I mean, I mean, I admitted I had a problem like, you know, like 10 years ago, but you know, I'm, you know, that was like in my family and my mom always told me I had a problem, you know, in the last five years has me been kind of like asking, you know, like telling them, you know, like I got a fucking problem, you know, I have a problem, you know, I need kind of like help, but I mean, what can you really, you know, what could we really do, you know, um, you know, it still had to be on me, you know. That's where it has to come from. Yeah. It all boils too. Yeah. Somebody does call you out on it. It's still up to you to admit it and then start dealing with it. Nobody else can deal with it for you. Mm-hmm. And then you do. Right. Yeah. I keep forgetting that we're recording. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of it all. I'm like, yeah, and the- I also love how the one time we, we turn on record, I like spill all my like dirt. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I used to drink at work. Totally normal. And drive around. I did. I spilled all my dirt first. I drank at work. That's the kind of stuff though that I've said over and over that first the 14 months that I quit, I thought I was the only person who felt the way that I felt and who did the things that I did. Like I thought I was the only mom out there that was putting her kids to bed an hour early so she could go drink. It turns out I wasn't alone. But hearing stories like that, if you're in a place where you don't have somebody to talk to can make such a big difference. 
mm-hmm. when you're not by yourself, that you're not the only person doing all that stuff. Cause no matter what any of us says, somebody is like, yep, I did that too. Yeah. And I didn't realize that for the longest time. I thought it was the only one. Yeah. And I think the first step in really starting to tackle all of this stuff is letting go of the shame. Um, and as soon as you realize you're not alone and that you're not the only person who's done whatever it is that you're so ashamed of, you can deal with it a little bit more, I think. And you get a little bit closer to actually being able to overcome it. So as long as you're sitting there drowning in shame and thinking that you're completely alone, that's just where you're going to stay. It's that much harder to dig yourself out if you even can. It's kind of neat though, when you hear, like you hear parts of your own story and everybody else's story. And then, like you said, it doesn't make you feel alone, but you're also listening to somebody who's, who's sober. Mm -hmm. Who's telling that part of their story. And it's like, wait, hold on one second. Like, I hear my life or a part of my story or, or, you know, that low or whatever it is, the drinking and the driving and, or the, you know, the car accident or anything like that. And it's like, wow, okay, hold on one second. That's me right now. And then that person has made it, you know, 78 days or eight Mm -hmm. months or, you know, four months or even 30 days, like something, there's, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. It gives hope. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And that's exactly where I'm going to finish that. Yes. That is exactly where that I'm going to finish that recording is. I like it. You nailed the finish. Like you just nailed it. <laughs> you wrapped it in this little perfect little bow right at the end, but it was like, like drops. We should end on a happy note now. It is a happy note. We're all freaking sober right now. Gotta love a happy ending. I want to say thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you again on Off the Cuff.